You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary South. We exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission by seeing the lost redeemed, the redeemed matured, and the matured multiplied for the glory of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarysouth.com. Uh, as we think about uh, 2023, New Year's Day, uh, I want us to stop and think about uh, the will of the Lord. Uh, how many of you think that um, God has a will for your life? Do you think anyone here? Okay, so a few of you guys uh, are with me still. Uh, and uh, and uh, I want us to think about, when we think about the, the, the will of God, I think it's really important that we just stop and say, okay, what do we mean by the will of God? And there's two different categories that we want to think about when we think about the will of God in regards to what the scriptures say. One is that uh, there is the God, uh, God's sovereign decretive will, all right? God's sovereign decretive will. That, what I mean by that are that the plans that God has, that he has decreed, that he has said will happen, uh, they happen, right? Uh, for example, uh, when it comes to our salvation, Paul wrote this, Ephesians 1.11, in him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Right? So Paul is saying, you know, the Lord, before, long before I was ever alive, he decided that I would be his child. It was according to his will, what he had decided. Uh, if you, I think you guys studied the book of Genesis not so long ago. When you think about Genesis 3.15, uh, Paul, or sorry, uh, Christ, uh, the Lord gives this promise to Adam and Eve in the garden that there's one who's going to come, who's going to defeat Satan, the one who has tempted them, has uh, caused them to come into sin. There's someone who's coming from the seed of woman, really interesting as we think about this Christmas season, uh, would be born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, seeing signs of that, even in Genesis 3.15, the Lord decreed that. It was his will that there would be someone who would come. And of course, we know that uh, thousands of years later, Christ came 2,000 years ago and fulfilled that decree. And someday soon, that job will be finished and Satan will be crushed uh, under your feet, Romans 16.20. We think about even Christ going to the cross. Uh, I love what uh, Paul said or sorry, Peter said to the, to the people, Acts 2.23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. It was God's plan that Christ would come and die. Now, the people who had him arrested, the people who uh, wanted him dead. Are they accountable? Oh, for sure, 100%. They're still accountable. But it was under the purpose and plan of God that Christ would die. So as we think about the will of God, uh, there's that, that's that side of things that we, um, we need to understand, that there are um, things that God has decided long before you and I were ever around. The will of the Lord. It was the will of the Lord that you would be sitting here this morning. Right, and you, you, you may or may not acknowledge that as you came here today, but it was the will of the Lord for you be here. Now, there's that will of the Lord. Secondly, there's God's moral will. Now, I'm just trying to set the stage before we get into the scriptures this morning, so we're kind of thinking this through clearly. But then there's God's moral will, the the, the things that He commands us to do. Um, for example, the Ten Commandments. But Romans twelve two puts it like this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern, now listen, what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? What is it that that God would want us to do? And what Paul then does is from Romans 12 right through 16, he says, this is the will of God for you. Romans 1 through 11 is like, here's how you got saved. Now, 12 through 16, this is the will of God for you. Now, as you reflect back on 2022, there were times where you followed the will of God in your life, his moral will for your life, and then there were times where you did not. Um, Nobody, I believe, you're like, you don't know us, Pastor. Okay, well, I believe that there were times in 2022 where you did not follow God's moral will for your life. You chose to sin 
rather than follow him. But I'm praying that your resolve is here this morning. I, by God's grace, I want to do better in 2023. I want to walk in obedience to his commands. I want to trust him. And so there's God's moral will for our lives. And so these two broader categories help us to understand the will of God. There's the moral will. There is the decretive sovereign will of God. And they affect everything in our lives. Um, There are some things that are a mystery to us until God reveals them to us. If you are in Christ this morning, uh, you did not, you know, at two years old say, when I turn X age, I'm going to become a Christian. You, you didn't know that. But now you look back and you can see, okay, yeah, it was God's will that I would be saved on, you know, many of you know the day. Uh, some of you are like, know the season. You know, it was around that time. I can't, I don't know exactly when God changed my heart, but I know it was in that season. That was God's will for your life. So that's his decretive will. When it comes to his moral will, you know that he's given you gifts and abilities as a result of being a child of God, and it is your responsibility now to serve him. And so when it comes to our salvation, we see that God's, God's the one who's over our salvation, and now he wants us to walk in obedience to him. Your career and who you're to marry should also be chosen according to the will of God. Now, um, any single people here? Okay, there's, there's a few. Okay. Uh, when it comes to God's will for the person that you would marry someday, let's just say, a majority, of course, that's the case for them. Not everybody's called to be married, but most people are. And, and when you're thinking about a spouse, what, what would God's will be? Right, that should be something you're asking, right? Not like, what's my will? Well, they have to look like this and have these abilities or whatever. Okay, well, put that aside for now. God's will, first of all, is that you would marry someone else who also loves the Lord God, who's pursuing the Lord God. If they don't, guess what? They're not a candidate for you to marry them at that time, right? Maybe you're going to meet them years later and they'll have come to Christ. Maybe then they could be a candidate, right? But we want to put God first in these important decisions in our life. We want God's will for us. Your career that you choose It should be under the will of God. God, what is it that you want me to do with my life in regards to a career? Understanding that your first and foremost job is to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. So some of you, he's gifted you to use your hands and you're great carpenters or or plumbers, electricians, those kinds of things. Others of you, he's given you, you know, you're really smart. Maybe you're an engineer, okay? Uh, You're doing other kinds of things, but God's gifted us all differently so that we might bring glory and honor to him through our careers. And so uh, we want to be thinking about, again, the will of the Lord in all of these things. Psalm 37, 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so if we want direction for 2023, God, what is it that you want me to do? How am I to best fulfill the role that you have for me on this planet? Then we want to first delight ourselves in the Lord, and we do that best by reading his scriptures, by praying, by gathering together as his people so that we might then know the will of the Lord for us. Do you believe, again, I want to ask you this, do you believe that the Lord has a will for you um, this morning? MacArthur put it like this, I'm under the belief that if God has a will, he would like you to know it. Does that sound far-fetched? Sounds sort of obvious to me, he says. Let's assume God has a will for your life. Can you assume that? If he doesn't, you're in a lot of trouble, right? He has a will for your life. So I don't know, you know, this is the time of year you're like, I could probably eat better. I could probably get more sleep. I probably should do more exercise. I probably should be reading my Bible. Like these are the kinds of things that we're thinking about. But I want to challenge you this morning that the first and foremost thing that you need to be considering is, God, what's your will for my life? And so what I want us to do as we, as we go through uh, Romans chapter 15 this morning is I want us to look at the example of Paul and how he lived his life in regards to being a model for us to, for the way that we should live our lives. So let me pray for us and then we're going to get into it. God, we are so thankful 
um, God, that you have revealed your will for us. God, that um, we, first and foremost, would be reconciled to you through Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so thankful that it was your sovereign will to save sinners like us. God, it is a privilege to be your children here this morning. God, we pray that you would be honored and glorified, Lord, as we study your word today. God, I pray that you would lead this preacher, that I would speak your word in such a way that, Lord, it would help your people to to know you more, to grow in their love and knowledge of you. And um, God, we we pray, uh, Lord, that, um, Lord, as we think about 2023, that, Lord, our um, hearts would first and foremost be set upon your will for our lives. That, God, we would not be selfish-oriented, Lord, that we would not be focused on what we would want, but, Lord, we would desire first and foremost what you want. And so, God, would you lead us? Would you guide us even now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so everyone needs a Bible. I've already been going through some verses, but if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. I think Deshers would be happy to give you a copy. Is that correct? Okay. So if you don't have one, uh, just put up your hand. They'll get you one. Romans chapter 15, if you want to turn there, we're going to look at verses 22 through 33. Romans 15, 22 through 33. Let me read the text and then we'll break it down together. Paul says in verse 22, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, For Macedonia and Achaia have been blessed to make some contribution for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be able to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness and bless of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company." May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So as we look at Paul's life this morning, we're going to see three daily habits of faithful believers. As we think about 2023 and trying to be faithful to the Lord, I want us to see three daily habits of faithful believers. First of all, we make our plans. It's a good thing that we would make plans. We see Paul doing this in verses 22 to 24. He's saying, hey, here's the plans that I have been making. He's told that, at the beginning, if you know the book of Romans, he's told them at the beginning, he said, hey, I, I want to come to see you. I long to come to see you. And now he's reiterating that, and he's telling him the plan that he has to be able to come to them. First, he's saying why he hasn't yet come. And the reason he hasn't been there yet is that he had some work to do. He went from Jerusalem all the way up to Iliacrium, sorry, Iliacrium, to preach the good news. And he said, now my job is done. Does that mean that everybody was saved between Jerusalem in that city, modern day Albania and Greece? Is that what he's saying, that he's saved all the people along there? Well, no, he's saying there's a gospel witness now in every one of those places. I've got there, and my job and his calling in life was to go to places where they had never heard the gospel before. Like, this guy was like, Let, put me in the hardest place ever, put me there, and I want to preach the gospel. And so he had done that, and now he's saying, my desire is to get to Spain. Why? They haven't heard the gospel there yet. And so I want to stop in on my way there. I want to see you guys, and, and then uh, I'm going to go to Spain. As he goes to Spain, he's asking them that they would be helping him. The word here is, Pro Pempo. 
It's to help on one's journey with food, money, by arranging for companions, means of travel, etc. He's not just asking for a few dollars on the way. He's asking that they would partner with him in seeing the gospel go to Spain. Does he need partners in order for that to happen? Well, 100%, right? The people in Spain aren't going to support him. There's no believers there, right? So he needs help in order to get there. And his desire is to get there and to to see the, the gospel go forth in Spain. And so it should be the people in Rome, it should be our desire to see the gospel spread all over the earth. We're praying in 2023, God, would you continue to to spread the message of the gospel around this world in a powerful way? Uh, Why hasn't Christ come back yet? Because there's still some people to get saved. As soon as that's done, we get out of here. So let's be on mission in 2023 and let's see the Lord come back. I'm, I'm, I, I hope that's the case, that he will return this year. Now, as he makes these plans, I want us just to note verse 32. If you look down, it says that he says, so that by God's will, I may come to you. As he's making all these plans, he's saying, if this be the will of the Lord. He's not, he's not saying that these are things are going to happen for sure, but he's saying, as I plan, this is what I'm hoping I will do. Now, that's really important for us to be thinking about in 2023. As we make our plans, Lord, if it be your will. Not, not my will be done, but your will be done. And as believers, it's really important that that continually be our focus. That we want God's will to be done in our lives. Sometimes, you know, when we get tired and we kind of, you know, we, we kind of want to what? We want me time. Anybody ever said that? I just need some me time. We probably shouldn't say that, right? Uh, why? Because me time results in not good things, right? It results in selfishness. It's good to take a break. God wants you to take a break, but do so under the Lord as you focus on him, not as you focus on you. Amen? Okay? So as we think about Paul, he was not into anything uh, easy. Think about the the plans that he's making here. I, I thought Stott was really helpful here. He says, if he were to make all these journeys by ship, the first would be at least 800 miles. As he's talking about this plan, the first journey is 800 miles, the second, 1,500 miles, the third, 700, making it a minimum total of 3,000 miles, and many more if you would travel some of the way by land rather than sea. When one reflects on the uncertainties and hazards of ancient travel, the almost nonchalant way in which Paul announces his intention is to undertake these three voyages is quite extraordinary. I mean, Paul wasn't in one shipwreck right? <laughs> like, I don't know about you. Like, uh, I, I think I'm done traveling. Like, I'm already starting to feel that about air travel, you know, and it's just because we're being inconvenienced with, you know, short leg space and stuff. Paul, Paul's like, I don't care. I'm on mission. I'm going to Spain. By, if it's the Lord's will, why? Because I want the gospel to spread there too. I'm not thinking about what, my, what I need. I want his will to be done in my life. Now, as we think about Paul's desire to get to Rome, and then on to Spain, it's important to see that sometimes our timing is different than God's timing. Paul is going to get to Rome. We, we know from the book of Acts, he actually gets there, but not in his timing. He had longed to get there a lot quicker, a lot earlier, but it wasn't God's timing. And so I want, to just, I want you, as you think about God's will for your life, some things that you desire are good things. Like, I desire to get married. And, and, you know, when I was old, like some of you teenagers here, you know, 14, 15, I thought, you know, I'll get married when I'm 20, 21. That would be a good age to get married at. Well, I, I, the Lord didn't bring around my wife until I was 29, right? That was his timing, not my timing. I started thinking about going to seminary, in 2000, I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I'll go to seminary. I didn't go to seminary until 2006. Those were good desires I had, but it wasn't my time. It wasn't my timing. It was God's timing. And so just 
We need to be mindful of that as we make our plans. James chapter 4, 13 to 15. I can just encourage you to write these things down and look them up for yourself later. But James 4, 13 to 15 gives us, again, good instruction about how to make our plans. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And so as we make our plans, do them with open hands, right? Good to make plans. We, we, we faithfully want to do that, but we also under, need to understand that it's the, one, the Lord who ultimately directs. It says in Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And Proverbs 19, 20, 21, sorry. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The purposes of the Lord are the ones that will stand. And so as you get your calendar out for 2023, do we still do that? Do we still have those paper ones? I don't know. Whatever your, your digital calendar for 2023, as you get that out and you start making your plans for this year, do so saying, if the Lord wills. God, these are the plans that we think would best bring you honor and glory through our actions, through our plans, but we have an open hand, trusting that whatever you want, Lord, will happen. Your, as it says in Proverbs 19, 21, your purpose will stand. He is God, we are not. Just, just a heads up if we need that reminder, okay? He is God, we are not. Let us live accordingly. So three daily habits of faithful believers. We make our plans. Secondly, we hold our priorities. We hold our priorities. We see this in verses 25 to 29. As much as Paul wants to get to Rome, he has a higher priority that he wants to accomplish first before he gets to Rome. And as we make uh, our plans for our lives, we do so according to our priorities. We do what we do when we do them because we feel that it's, an appropriate, uh, that it's a priority at the time. And so as much as Paul's priority is to see the gospel reach new people, he has another mission that, he has, that has precedent. We see this in verse 25. He says, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem. He's going in the opposite direction of Rome at this point. He says, I'm going there to bring aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. So he's going there because he's collected some funds from the churches again in modern-day Albania, Greece, and he's taking it to the poor in Jerusalem. The word here for contribution uh, is used here is also co is, is koinonia. It, it shows us that there's more uh, being communicated than simply a cash handout. Schreiner says it like this, the gift for the Jerusalem saints is not only a ministry for the term fellowship, that's what koinonia means, indicates solidarity and partnership. By giving to those who were in need in Jerusalem, the Gentiles demonstrated their partnership with them in the gospel. In other words, they're saying, hey, we're brothers and sisters with you. We know that you're in need right now, and we're going to give this to you to demonstrate that we love you, that we care for you, and that we're with you. We don't know why exactly they were, uh, why there were the poor in Jerusalem. There's several theories out there. Some, some believe that it's because of the famine. There was a severe famine that Agabus had, had predicted. Maybe that's what was going on. Uh, some believe that it was because of persecution. Uh, they, they weren't able to get work because of the persecution that's going on. And then thirdly, some believe that, you know, as you see in Acts chapter 2, they're all selling their stuff and giving it to one another. As the years went on, maybe the funds are running out and they're in need now. We, we don't know uh, for sure what the case was, but we can see that these Gentile believers are excited about giving to their Jewish brothers and sisters. And if you read the book of Romans, you see this is a really big deal. If you think about two groups of people who hate each other in our world right now, 
That's what Jew and Gentile were, right? They, 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 were not, they were not friendly towards one another in any way. And so the fact that there's this offering going on is a beautiful thing. Paul puts it like this, for they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in their material blessings. As Paul has been writing the book of Romans, he's been making it clear that the gospel went to the Jews first. But as a result of their rejection, then the gospel went out to the Gentiles. And as a result, these people now have come to faith in Christ and what he's saying, if, if they've been sharing in the blessings that came through the Jews spiritually, they should now give materially. Verse 28. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. And so he's saying, once I'm done this 2,000 mile journey, um, to, to go do this, then I'm going to come over to you. And, and he's saying uh, that, that, again, that this is an important thing, this priority that he's made in, in, in regards to the, uh, his concern about unity. And also, perhaps, some people believe the re- reason he's so excited about doing this is because of the commission that the other apostles gave them. We, we see this in Galatians 2, verses 9 and 10. Galatians 2, 9 and 10. It says, when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, this is uh, Paul talking, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Then he says in verse 10, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. And so Paul's eagerness to remember the poor also may be part of the priority here. He wants to to fulfill his mission that the other apostles had given to him in helping the poor and in, in, in going to the Gentiles so that they also might um, be united with the Jewish people. So he's going to fulfill this mission, and then he hopes to leave for Spain via Rome. Then he says this in verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. He's excited about the prospect of seeing these brothers and sisters in Rome. He's never met them. He's excited to see them. And uh, he believes that when they come together, as he said in Romans 1.12, that they're going to be mutually encouraged by one another. It's always good to come together as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to, to encourage and strengthen one another. As we look at 2023, I want us to just stop and think about your priorities, as you think about 2022, as you reflect back, have your priorities been such that you've been living according to the will of God? Again, I want you to think about the moral will of God. That's the most measurable thing. As you think about your life, are you living according to his commandments towards you, believing that they're good, believing that God's ways are better than our ways, believing that it's always better to choose God than sin, how have you been doing in 2022? What's your desire in 2023? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about how is it that I would put myself in a place that I will be better positioned to, to be used of the Lord in 2023? Your priorities in your life. Have you thought about what you need to prioritize in your life? Now, I don't know about you, but we can say priorities are, are such and such, but our priorities are seen in what we're doing each week, right? Like I can say, it's my priority to be in shape. If I'm not running, if I'm not lifting, if I'm not doing something exercise, I may say it's a priority, but it's not a priority, right? The chips and dip are my priority that week, right? I'm just the self confession here this morning, okay? Okay? But, you know, as I often think at this time of year, I really want it to be different this year. Well, then I actually need to do those things. I need to set aside the time in the day, you know, so I'm, I'm going to get up at six in the morning so that I can exercise, those things, whatever. And if I do that, then that truly is my priority. 
So we can say a lot of things, but then we actually have to have a plan. And so can I just encourage you as you think about your own life to, to say, okay, Lord, where am I at? God, what, what do I need to grow? Do, what do I need to do to grow in you this coming year? Are you reading the word of God each day? If you say that you desire to know him and to grow in, in, in your love for him, that begins by reading his word. You can't just get it by osmosis. You got to do the hard work. You got to do the discipline. That's why they call it spiritual dis- disciplines to, to get up, stay up later, whatever you're, whatever you're, however you're wired, and then spend that time in the word. Uh, who are your disciples? If you think about Matthew 28, do you have a plan for making new disciples in 2023? And those are the things that we should be considering. God, what are my priorities in regards to what you've called me to do? We do that as a church. I believe Quentin does that here with his elders as well. That if you're familiar with our church, our, our churches are Great Commission Collective. We have six distinctives that we have in our church. And so our elder team, every year, we look back on the previous year and we say, how have we been doing? We say that we want to worship the Lord passionately. How's that going? We say we want to preach the word unapologetically. How's that going? How are we doing in regards to evangelism? How are we doing in regards to coming to the Lord in prayer? Those things we evaluate, and then we say, okay, based on that, what do we need to reprioritize in order to, uh, for us to do better. And, and so can I, again, just encourage you as a church family, if you're new here, if you've been coming to this, like, okay, Redemption South, it's my church. Then how can you help this body grow in 2023? These are the things that we should be considering at this time of year. And, and, and not just as an individual, not just as a church, but can I even just encourage you as a family? What does pursuing the Lord's will in your family look like? How have you been doing with things like family devotions? Moms and dads teaching the word to your children when you get up, when you lay down, as you walk along the way, Deuteronomy 6, how are we doing in those things? And um, and so maybe some family planning uh, after church today would be on the agenda if you're going to Walk according to the will of the Lord in 2023. So three daily habits of faithful believers. We make our plans, we hold our priorities, and then lastly, we lift our prayers. We see this in verses 30 to 33, lift our prayers. Now, the reason I've used this word lift, okay, we're getting into this exercise theme here this morning, but the, you know, like lift, you know, bench press, Right, it's, it, it, that's the idea here. This Greek word here is "sun uh, agonizomai." Uh, I'm barely speak English, so try to speak Greek is not so good. But "sun agonizomai," and you hear in that word "agony," and, and this is the idea behind this. He's saying, "Would you agonize with me in, in, in lifting up your prayers?" I mean, think about the most you've ever lifted and then put 20 more pounds on that. that that's the idea of the effort that is, is being focused on in regards to lifting up prayers. He says in verse 23, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. So not just, not just kind of like, hey, can you just punt up a three-second prayer? Yeah, like, uh, God, uh, help Quentin uh, Calgary self. Amen. Like, not that kind of prayer, right? Like, like the kind of prayer where you're fully invested in it, where it desires great effort. Do you, do you, I, I'm sure all of us here know the difference between praying and then crying out to God. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? 
Like those times in your life where you're just, you're just down on your face and you're just, you're, you're, you're just crying out to God saying, God, uh, you have to show up. You have to do this. Like, Lord, if you do not show up, we have no hope. We have no, 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 no future without you. God, we need you. Those kinds of prayers, this is the kind of prayer that he's asking them to pray. He, he, he's, he, he's saying, would you join me in the struggle, praying on my behalf? He appeals to them by, he says, by our Lord Jesus Christ. This is both the authority by which we pray, but the one we all strive together to serve. This is, this is the focus as they pray, crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has united us in him. And then he also, uh, Paul also appeals to them by the love of the Spirit. Now, this phrase is best understood as the love that we have for one another by the Spirit of God. Uh, through the Spirit of God, we have deep affections for one another. Right? As you look around, there, there's not, there may be not many things that would unite you in a natural way. Right? Different age groups, different jobs, different ethnicities, maybe even different hockey teams you cheer for. Right? There, there, there may not be natural things there, but because we're one in the Spirit, we, nat- we, we, we supernaturally love one another. And so this is what Paul is appealing to here. This love that we have for one another. Paul, these, Paul again, Paul has not met these people, but because he's brothers and sis- because he's a brother to them, he's appealing to both the brothers and sisters to cry out on his behalf. Now Calvin remarks here, Paul shows how the godly ought to pray for their brethren that they are to assume their person as though they were placed in the same difficulties. Fully invested prayer, as if you were praying for yourself. That's what Paul is asking for here. And when you think about how you pray for your brothers and sisters, is this how you pray? Do you, are you fully invested in seeing that they would do well in the Lord? What is it that Paul is asking prayer for? We see this in verse 31. He says that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So he's asking for personal protection from the unbelievers in Judea and that when he gets there and this offering that he's bringing on behalf of the Gentiles as he gives it to the Jewish people, he's praying that it would be acceptable to them, that they would be moved by the love of the Gentiles on their behalf. This is what he's asking that they would pray for. Now, we don't get the answer in Romans, but we do get the answer in Acts 20 and 21 as to what happened, right? But we know that as Paul is preparing to go to Jerusalem, that the, 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 that the Lord has been showing them there's going to be trouble when he gets to Jerusalem. He knows that there's going to, to be pushback, but he's praying that, that, that he would be protected from the unbelievers and that also that this offering would be acceptable. Uh, we can learn from this that Paul didn't avoid trouble. Oftentimes, Paul walked into trouble. Now, that didn't mean that he didn't, at certain times, leave, right? He's being lowered in the basket outside the city and leaves that city. There are times where he left the trouble, but he never ran from it if he believed it was the will of the Lord. And again, as we think about our priorities, as we think about our plans, we need to say, God, I want your will above my comfort. And maybe you're like me. I'm not a big fan of conflict, it seems like some people like it. You know, there's some people who, you know, they're always looking for a fight. But I'm not one of those people. I, I kind of rather not, I just like peace in my life, right? And, and so I, I would, I, you know, but Paul, he's, he's not like this. He's the kind of person who's like, Lord, I want your will above everything else. And so I'm going to do the hard thing. And so he's doing the hard thing because he believes it's the will of the Lord for him to take this offering to go to Jerusalem. Paul had such a great love for the church. He did not want to shrink back from what he believed that God would have him do. But he's still praying. 
that he would be delivered from the unbelievers in Jerusalem. He's saying, would you agonize with me? Would you strive with me in prayer for my protection? Would you pray that this mission would go well? Again, his concern is for Gentile and Jew unity, as has been evident in the book of Romans. He's praying that the believing Jews would see just how much their Gentile brothers care for them. And so Paul continues, verse 32, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Would you pray that those things go well so that then I can come to you? And I believe that when we come together, if it be the will of God, that we will have joy and that we will be encouraged by being with one another. Well, as I mentioned, we know what happens, right? Paul was, uh, first of all, we could say Paul uh, was pleased by the way that they received the offering. We read in Acts 21, 17, when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly, all right? So prayer request checklist, check, all right? Received it gladly. But what about the protection from the unbelievers? Yes and no, right? Yes, he's not dead. Because the unbelievers there, the, the, those who hated Paul, they wanted him dead. And as you read through Acts, that, that the, the Romans, they came along, the, the guard there, they came along and they rescued him from them because they were trying to kill him. But he winds up in prison. So prayers were answered according to the will of God. Not necessarily according to the will of Paul. But he does get to Rome right? His prayers are answered in coming to Rome. It's just that he's in chains when he gets there. Now, Paul is just exemplary in walking out the will of God in his life. He, he, wants, he wants God to be glorified above all else. He wants the church to be expanded above all else. This is, he's not doing these things for his own will. So even in prison, we see how you and I ought to respond to the curveballs that happen in our life. Paul's not in prison, you know, like folded arms. Like, okay, great, great. I, I do the hard thing. I bring the offering here because I believe it's a good thing. You know, I, I, I had everybody praying and, and now I'm in prison. Well, then guess what? I'm done. I'm not serving you anymore, Lord. Forget it. You know, not until I'm out of prison. Maybe after that, maybe I'll, I'll pick it up again. Is that, is that what he does? We see his reaction in Philippians 1, 12 to 14. Philippians 1, 12 to 14. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the Lord without fear. You see his focus? Okay, not, wasn't my will to be in prison, but it was God's will. And as I see that, as I, I get my mind wrapped around that, I see God at work. And that his way is better than my way. The, the, the gospel is, is being spread throughout. He, now, did he get to Spain? We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. Stott says it like this. It may be then, as often has been surmised, that Paul was released from his confinement in Rome. This is what we, we, can, we can kind of piece together, that he's eventually freed from his imprisonment, in which the book of Acts leaves him. And that he had then resumed his missionary travels, including a visit to Spain, before being rearrested, imprisoned, and finally beheaded during the Neronian persecution. And so the thought is he eventually gets there. The imprisonment that he's writing from in the book of Philippi, uh, Philippians, that he eventually then 
is freed. I mean, they wanted to free him, but he appealed to Caesar. So he got to Rome. So you could see there was nothing really here to, to imprison him for. But then he goes on. And of course, then he gets rearrested and then finally beheaded. Day to day under the will of God. May the Lord help us to keep our eyes on him in 2023. You, you got some amazing blessings coming in 2023, but you also have some challenges coming in 2023. And the best way to get through these times, whether they be good or bad, is to keep your eyes on him. And in particular, to keep your eyes on the character of God. The character of God is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And, and as Paul gets to the end of this, uh, this little section here, he, he is reminding them, he says, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. He's reminding them that God is for them, that they have peace with God as a result of what Christ has done. I'm praying that that's the case for everybody here this morning, that you have peace with God because you've been reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. That, that, that the worst day on earth in many ways was the best day on earth for you and I. The, the worst day on earth was when we killed God. Humanity killed God. But guess what? It was in the plan of God because as Christ hung on the cross, my sin, your sin is placed on Christ. The, the sins of all who would place their hope and trust in him are placed on him and he takes the wrath of God in my place, in your place. And he dies. And then on the third day, he rose again. And one day soon, he's coming back. And he's going to finish the job with Satan. Do you know him this morning? If, if you don't, if you've never been reconciled to him, that is your number one focus for 2023. Like put all other plans off to the side and figure out who God is and figure out that he loves you and cares for you and desires, the word of God says, desires not that you should perish, but that you should have eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. So I pray for you this morning. If you don't know him, that you would know him soon. Even today, you could repent of your sin and place your trust in him. But as we go through our year, if you're a believer here this morning, first of all, remember that he's a God of peace. Also remember, if you look back to verse 5 of chapter 15, that he's the God of endurance and encouragement. Uh, verse 13, remember that he's the God of hope. Like these are the things that we need to remember in the ups and downs of life. Uh, we had our family, we had a, a really... A difficult season about 11 years ago. We had our 11th anniversary in December when my daughter had a brain injury. Didn't know she was going to live or not. We were five months in the hospital. And the only thing, I'm telling you, the only thing got me through that time was keeping focused on the character of God. Things like that his steadfast love endures forever. That God loved me as much in that moment as my daughter laid in that hospital bed as he did five years before, and he will five years later, that, that his love is steadfast, that his faithfulness is great, that his mercies are new every morning. These are the things that we must cling to as we consider our lives, as we consider the will of God. And when we do that, then we can be like Paul, right? Okay, Lord, not what I expected, but I trust you, and I trust that these things are being used for your glory and for my good, Romans 8, 28. It could be like Joseph, right? Remember Joseph, kids, you guys still with me? Remember Joseph, he had those great brothers who had him sold into slavery, right? And God used that, right? He sold into slavery and then he's, he's doing a really good job. And guess what? He gets terrible thing happened to him again. Now he's in prison, he does great things for, the, for a couple of guys who used to work, or used, well, we're working for Pharaoh. One guy gets put back in with Pharaoh. And finally, they remember Joseph, and Joseph becomes second most powerful in all of Egypt. And after dad dies, the brothers think it's time for revenge for Joseph. But what does he say? 
This was the will of the Lord. Am I in the place of God? And so this is what we need to have as our perspective as we go through this coming year. We make our plans, we hold our priorities, and we lift our prayers. We do this as individuals, but we also do this as the body of Christ. So thankful Redemption South. I'm excited for you guys' celebration this month. As you look back on God's faithfulness for five years, and you, you pray for faithfulness for another five. And may you keep your priorities, his priorities. May you plan accordingly so and agonize in prayer for one another. That God would be glorified in this church and in this city for this coming year. Let me pray for you. Lord God, we're so thankful that your ways are so much better than our ways that your plans are so much better than our plans. And so, God, we look to you. God, would you help us to walk in obedience to you? Lord, would you help us to walk in faithfulness to you in 2023? God, I'm so thankful that you know every heart here this morning. God, you know those who are doing well in you and are excited about a new year and, and, and are thinking about ways that they could grow in their love and knowledge of you. And then, Lord, you know that there are others right now who are just discouraged. And they're having a difficult time accepting what's going on in their life right now. But God, I pray that you would just help them to see that, Lord, you are sovereign, that your will is being done. But God, as well, Lord, we would say, if, if there be sin in our life, then Lord, help us to be quick to repent of it as we think about our priorities. And God, we would pray that, that we would replace those sins by good works, Lord, as we look to you, that, Lord, we would not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And that, Lord, as we do so, that we would pray, that we would agonize in prayer, Lord, as we seek your will each and every day, as we seek it not just for ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters. God, we, we want to see this church grow, Lord, uh, not just numerically, Lord, we want to see it grow in Christ-likeness. Lord, that the lost in this city might see who you are through this church family. So God, we give all these things to you, to you be the glory, both now and forevermore. To your name we pray, amen.